Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Before we hop into this amazing episode, I wanted to take a moment to be transparent with you and explain what Social Workers Rise is and where we're going. So Social Workers Rise is more than a podcast. My vision is to create a social worker family, a place and a community where we as social workers can feel supported, empowered, and equipped to do all of the jobs that we need to do. And it's going to be continually evolving as times evolve. So this was born out of an emotion that I had. I felt um, lonely in the field, that I didn't really have very many places to go. I didn't really have too many people to look up to as mentors and to be able to ask questions. And I didn't know where to go for to find that one-on-one connection with people that I really, really needed to ask questions, to express how I felt, to voice my frustrations, and to even have that feedback like, hey, Catherine, I think you need to take a break. You really seem kind of burnt out right now. Like maybe you should just, you know, reevaluate, is this job worth it? So just to have that sounding board and that really strong community of support. So that is what I envision for Social Workers Rise. And the way that we're doing that is, one, through this podcast, and two, we're going to be offering ongoing learning and virtual training opportunities and and, and a way to com- create a community. So with that, we're having our our really first big course series coming up for you if you are a person who is striving to be a therapist you are likely thinking about getting your your license to provide clinical therapy you may be already uh, doing one-on-one clinical therapy but don't really feel very confident in your skills and really want a stronger skill set and also for new roles, new new graduates who are entering these roles who are, you have the basics, but you really just need to tie it in all together and essentially learn how to take the client through the therapeutic process. So this, this five-course series is actually called Clinical Essentials for the Future Therapist. And this is going to be launching this summer. I'm very excited. And I hope that you are too if you are considering um, just getting stronger in your clinical skills. This was made for you. And we are still developing it right now. So please feel free to reach out for me. 
I have a VIP list, a list for very interested professionals. And if you would like to get on that VIP list to be the first to know when registration opens for this event, then shoot me an email, slide up in my DMs at Social Workers Rise on Instagram. Let me know that you're interested, and I would be happy to add you to that VIP list. So for now, let's hop into this episode and get started. Hello, Tabitha. How are you? Hi, Catherine. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining at Social Workers Rise. I'm really excited about our topic today for self-care. So thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing wonderful, considering how things yes. are now, but I'm doing good. Okay, good. And um, and I'm grateful that it's Friday. We're recording on a Friday. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling optimistic for the weekend. <laughs> right, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I understand. I just wanted to, to just get to know you a little bit more. And I saw, you know, your, the work that you're doing and the business that you've created. So I really just wanted to kind of unpack all of that and, and talk about self-care, which is like one of your main areas that you focus on with your business. So um, you know, first, I know that you are a licensed social worker. How did you know that you wanted to get into social work to begin with? What was that like for you? Um, I would say, you know, in the beginning, um, I've always had this desire to help people. Um, I wasn't sure when I was younger in what capacity I would do that in. Um, my grandmother was a nurse, so I kind of toured around with with that idea and then I realized I didn't like science so I was like oh okay let's <laughs> let's revisit that um and I just kind of um you know went through school and kind of toured around with um different majors um and then I got to um the end of my undergrad and uh, my brother became ill and he was kind of in and out of the hospital and at one point he was um, discussing his options for a kidney transplant and we had to meet with a social worker and it kind of just hit me. Um, that's what I didn't quite, I wasn't able to place what that looked like for me in social work. But when I met her, um, it, it kind of, the bell went off um, that that was what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an advocate for people, a bright spot when they were dealing with a difficult um, prognosis um, and just kind of be there for them and help guide them through that, that process. Um, so when I decided I was going to apply for grad school and pursue social work seriously, uh, health concentration was, was kind of where I was, was, was headed and what I chose. Wow. That's, that's very interesting. And I, I saw, you know, on your website that your brother was a really big, a really big motivator for why, why you do social work and, yeah. and why you're, you know, you're in the field. So that's, that's super powerful. Um, so 
did you did you do do you do medical social work or have you done that what kind of social work have you done so I um when I graduated I um got a position as a hospital liaison for a mental health agency um servicing homeless individuals um so I wasn't in like stationed in the hospital but I was in and out of hospitals kind of doing assessments and connecting with um, homeless individuals who needed our services. Um, so I was that first person that they saw. Um, and as they were being discharged, I was their main um, source of support um, and getting them housed. Um, so I did that for a while. And then I also um, worked in rape crisis. So I was kind of in and out of the hospitals, um, supporting individuals who had been um, sexually assaulted um, and then I uh, decided to make a move uh, and I moved uh, to Georgia um, and I accepted a position in suicide prevention, which is what I'm currently doing now. That sounds super intense. So <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm thinking of all of the all of the crisis intervention you have to do, all of the yeah. stories that you've heard all of the possible vicarious trauma that you have been through. How did yeah. you, how did you handle the stress of those jobs? You know, I, one thing I'll say is that I had a, a really good supervisor um, when I was working with uh, the homeless individuals. Um, and I think that that helped a lot because um, I enjoyed the work that I did. I didn't, um, for the most part, I didn't really feel overly stressed. Uh, I had more of probably a hard time cutting off uh, work. Uh, so I was kind of like bringing work home, like trying to finish work at, at home. But in terms of support and my experience there, luckily, I had a good supervisor who was supportive. Um, so the stress wasn't um, as bad as it could have been. Um, but luckily, I kind of also kind of caught it before it got too bad as well. So, okay, how did you catch it? Um, you know, I realized uh, kind of just what I said in terms of like bringing work home. Um, we, you know, I was very mobile because uh, I'm back and forth at different hospitals in the city. Um, so we would have our laptops. So I found myself bringing my bag uh, into my apartment. Um, and then to finish work or to finish assessment, I would be sitting down, um, trying to finish it. And then I, next thing I know, it'd be time to go to bed and I'd wake back up and I'd kind of like continue that cycle. So it was just kind of that. I don't, it just hit me. Like you're not doing anything, but going to work and coming home. And then you're doing more work when you come home. So, um, it kind of hit me in that way, just realizing that I wasn't making time for much else um, in my life. And then also, you know, soon after that, I was also diagnosed with lupus. Um, and for me, um, the symptoms that I deal with with lupus is mainly fatigue um, and joint pain. Uh, so it kind of hit me out of nowhere uh, mm -hmm. with, with those symptoms. So once I was able to put a name to you know, the symptoms and to understand what that looked like for me. Um, that was the ultimate thing that kind of slowed me down because I had to listen to my body. If I was too fatigued, I had to, to kind of 
um, rearrange my commitments. You know, um, if I had joint pain, I had to to stay in or if I had another flare, you know, I was out of work for a little while. So um, it that kind of forced me to uh, mm-hmm. I was on on the path to kind of doing better with self-care. But um, I would say that that was probably the pivotal point. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you were able to to recognize that you're going down the path that ultimately would lead to burnout. Um, mm-hmm. But there was like some red flags that came up for you and and also some health issues. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. It sounds yeah, like okay. you are able to adjust and adapt and um, and just, you know, kind of listen to your body and what it's telling you that you can or cannot do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely forced me to um, change the way that I look at like that constant go. Um, I've always been a kind of person that's always um, if I didn't have two jobs and I was like working and going to school, I was constantly, you know, busy and kind of doing multiple things. So in a good way, I mean, in a, you know, no one wants a chronic illness, but I think, you know, looking at it from a positive point of view, it, it slowed me down to stop and kind of make um, intentional steps to enjoy life, enjoy things outside of work. Um, and it's, you know, it's helped me tremendously. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what our purpose is, right? What, what's the mm-hmm. point of working ourselves to the bone if we're not even going to enjoy life? Right. Yeah. Right. So how did this all translate into you uh, creating your business that specifically focuses on self-care for social workers? So I think um, it it probably hit me once I accepted the position um, in suicide prevention. Um, I kind of realized quickly I was kind of doing, going back into like the same habit of um, going to work, coming home, going to work, you know, not incorporating anything in between that that would be fulfilling, you know, outside of work. Um, And then I wasn't working two jobs, but then I was working a lot of overtime. And I was speaking with a a coworker who's now a really good friend of mine. And he kind of mentioned the same thing that he was just kind of going to work, coming home, going to work, coming home. And there was not a lot of enjoyment in between um, the work that we were doing. Of course, we enjoy our jobs, but, you know, there wasn't something that was filling us up outside of work. Um, Mm -hmm. So we kind of, there were a couple of things that kind of, um, I would say helped me realize that like I needed to change the way that I was looking at self-care and how I was incorporating it into my life and how I wanted to see other people um, care for themselves. And that kind of was what prompted um, me to start empowering experiences. But I I would say that I had to look at, you know, um, the boundaries I was setting um, in, in all types of relationships. So not just my work relationships, but, you know, how was I um, interacting or committing with people that were outside of work, friends, relationships, um, and being okay with saying no, you know, not over committing. I think another thing was just that I was aligning myself with people who were like-minded. So the friend that I mentioned, just kind of us both being on the same page with wellness. um, And I think just like, learning that it's okay to put yourself first, understanding your worth, 
um, doesn't make you any less of a, a social worker or a therapist if you um, take some time for yourself um, and just kind of that self-evaluation, understanding like when I'm better caring for myself, how do I feel? When I'm busy and I'm ignoring myself, how do I feel? And how do I make that, you know, um, how do I find some balance with that? So I think kind of a number of things kind of happened that led me into um, wanting to, to create a community, a space for other people to kind of take care of themselves, care for themselves. And if they didn't know how to do that or where to start, that I could that I could help them with that, you know, because I was finding um, that the that I was um, I was figuring out what it looked like to treat myself better and how like what that looks like. So I wanted to be able to help people, other people do that. That's awesome. So you said some really powerful things and I wanted to make sure that we really acknowledge them and, and kind of unpack them. So it sounds like overall that you, you needed to set your boundaries and mm-hmm. then what that looked like for you was one saying no Two, you have some like-minded friends who you can connect with and feel similar to like a connection. Um, right. Three, you need to put yourself first and understand that that is not being selfish. Um, Four is finding or constantly doing self-evaluation. So it sounds like checking in with yourself, like, how am I doing? What needs to change? What's working? What's not working? Yep. And also, and then the fifth one is finding balance in life. Does that kind of sum it up? It does. It does. Yeah, I really like all of those. Those are are those like your top five, uh, like go tos? They are. Yeah. And I had to sit down and really think about, you know, how I got to this space where self care became, you know, so important to me. And it was literally those things. The first thing um, was boundaries for me. You know, I found that I was like over committing, overextending myself, saying yes when I really didn't want to. Um, you know, and then regretting it later, you know, so I, I definitely the, the setting of the boundaries was, was pivotal for me in making that change. For sure. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, I'm curious because we hear self-care and, and self-care all the time and don't get burnt out. Why don't we practice self-care more often? What, like, what is it about social workers that, we will continue to just stay in this rut and work ourselves to the point of burnout that we don't take the time for self-care as opposed to other occupations. Like um, my husband's a realtor and and so I'm around realtors sometimes and they'll say, oh, I just had such a bad day. I'm going to go to the spa. (laughs) (laughs) They have no problem like doing that. and, And they do. And, you know, other industries as well. It's just social workers, we don't, think like that so why is it that you know why don't we do more (laughs) self-care you know I think that um I think social workers to a certain extent I think that that we're just so passionate about what we do um that that a lot of times takes precedence over ourselves, not on purpose, um, I don't think, but I just think that, you know, when you're, especially social work, I think when you're committed 
um, to and whatever you know capacity you, you do social work in. I think that it's just the just a passion that we that we carry, um, and unfortunately, with that passion, we end up kind of putting ourselves last. But I I was doing quite a bit of thinking about why we don't, and I kind of was trying to figure out if it was, you know, wondering if it was a, if it stems from our foundation. Like I know for myself, like I wasn't necessarily taught Mm -hmm. self-care. That wasn't something that I grew up, you know, um, or even as a young adult, that it was like a conversation I was having with my family or my friends. Um, And I don't know if I really knew what self-care was prior to going into, um, the career field. So I think part of it is that foundation. So what you had prior to coming into the profession and then what you learned or what type of preparation or education or conversation you had while going through and preparing to enter the profession. Um, I think that means a lot Um, because if you're not having that conversation about it, you're not understanding what it is, um, then you, you kind of, you're on a pathway to probably stressing and overworking yourself. Um, and I think a lot of people also too, like, look at it as it just being like, oh, I'm, like you said, going to the spa or going to get my hair done or, go, you know, go get a haircut. And it is those things, but it's also like recognizing, like I've, I keep, drilling it into the ground but you know setting boundaries being able to say no not over committing even you know forgiving people when we don't want to forgive them you know I think that self-care is much deeper than that and I think that if we struggle with those areas or they're not as prominent or we're not as aware in our personal lives then you don't really have a good basis of of how to tackle self-care in your professional life I think that they're connected I don't I don't I'm not saying that you can't have good self-care practices personally and then struggle professionally but I I see a correlation you know and I use myself as that example um, and that it was really hard for me initially to start practicing self-care because I really didn't have a good foundation going into it and we didn't talk about it in my grad school program. So it wasn't something that, you know, even was on my radar, to be honest. You know, that makes so much sense, Tabitha. So I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about my own foundation of self-care. So I come from a family that I was raised by my grandmother and we didn't have a lot of money. She believed in just hard work. And you buy the necessities, like, is it a need mm-hmm. or a want? You, you get the need. And so right. she was not practicing self-care. Like, she didn't go on vacations. Like, we're just trying to make it paycheck to paycheck. So right. that is how I grew up. Uh, so you're right. When I got to be an adult, my thinking, I was in that scarcity mindset of, well, is this a need or a want? A massage is going to be a want. So let me not do it. Let me, let me buy something I need for my quote Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-care. Yeah. Very like, yeah, I need some new jogging shoes, but, 
And that can be a form of self-care. But if it doesn't fill me up, if it doesn't like really rejuvenate me and, and maybe it even puts more stress, like, well, great. Now I have to go use these expensive ass jogging shoes because I bought them. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so, and even then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bought the expensive jogging shoes. I would have bought like the $30 ones from Ross, which there's nothing wrong with that because that's my jam. But, but I totally understand like where you're coming from as far as the foundation. And it's, for me, it's something that I've had to relearn and actively practice. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now as part of my actively practicing self-care, one of my, one of my goals in life is to celebrate the little wins. Yep. So like whatever it might be, um, let me see, like, it's so bad. I can't even think of what, <laughs> <laughs> like it's Friday, right? Okay. Like it's Friday. I can just focus on the fact that the weekend is coming. I'm going to be spending yep. time with family, um, you know, whatever it might be, or maybe I had a really great conversation with a client and that was a win and they've made a little progress. Just taking time to say like, Hey, Catherine, you did such a great job. Like, let's go, I don't know, have a drink or some like, I don't know, yeah. nothing crazy, but just honoring those tiny little celebrations. It just helps us spiritually and mentally and emotionally to keep going and to, it kind of, you know, lifts, lifts us up a little bit and, and helps us know that we're making some progress. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, I think self-care is, it, it, it's both, it's the little things and it, it's also the big, you know, strides that we make to improve um, how we care for ourselves, but definitely those small things like, I ended work on time, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't work over or I left my, I finished my notes for the day, like, you know, whatever those small wins are, you definitely have to celebrate those too, because sometimes you don't, you don't necessarily have a big win, you know, sometimes it's a lot of small ones that add up to something that, you know, is really meaningful. So for sure. That's true. So I'm kind of wondering, I want to know a little bit about empowering experiences. Like, how do you help social workers with self-care like what does that look like so I think it's first it's understanding um what it is they need um so everybody's path to self-care is is different um so for some people it may not be you know a a work-related problem it might be something more personal you know that's causing them to struggle with practicing self-care so first understanding you know, where the, the holdup is and being able to, to practice self-care. Then once you, you, you understood that, you know, and that's through, you know, us having a conversation and answering some questions that I have kind of narrowing that down and then working through, you know, a game plan of, of how to follow through. Um, I think I'll use myself as an example. Um, I'm always kind of, wanting to work out and live a healthier life. But when I attempt to be consistent with that action of working out and following through, um, it doesn't, (laughs) I don't always, you know, get it done like I would like. Um, And I had to learn to take more small steps towards being consistent with self-care. So helping individuals 
understand that, like we said, those small wins, the small steps are probably, I won't say more important, but just as important as those big steps. So for me, instead of saying, I'm going to go to the gym every day and spend, you know, $50 a month at, at, you know, on a gym pass, I'm going to walk every day on my break. So once I've consistently walking every day on my break, I'm consistent. It's become second nature. It's become a habit. I have thought about it. I've made a small, um, my intention is to schedule to walk every day on my break. And then the action is that I follow through and I do it. So helping individuals understand that it's about thought, intention, action, and we create a customized plan for that person um, to work through that. And then if there's challenges along the way, we address those challenges. Um, and it's it's more of a, a coaching style business. So, you know, you'll, the, the individual I'm working with, they are the, um, they, they know what it is that they need. I'm just there to support them in following through on getting to a place where they feel good about that. Um, Probably so, hold them accountable too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's about, it's about, it's definitely about having um, an accountability partner. I think, like I said, in the beginning of, of when we were first talking is just finding someone who is like-minded, understands the need for, for wellness and somebody that can hold you accountable. You know, what have you done for self-care this week? Let's get a plan going so that it's just as important as the clients you're serving, you know, your family members. And we all have so many different, we're so many other things besides social workers outside of, you know, what we do. So it's making sure that like, what can you do to make sure that you put yourself first, even if you're a caregiver or you're a parent or, you know, it's, it's kind of helping them through that path. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you have a story of someone that you can share that um, through through self-care was able to like radically change their work or their life or their satisfaction or their happiness level or anything like that? Um, You know, I would say not so my business is new, so I'm not going to say I'm not going to necessarily uh, be able to share about someone I've worked with, but I would say that um, just with helping friends recognize the importance of wellness and self-care does wonders. It changes your life. And I hate to sound like dramatic in that way, but self-care is revolutionary. It can change how you feel, what you think about yourself, how you allow other people to treat you. And I've been able to kind of be a voice and encourage people who I'm very close to who did not look at self-care that way. Um, They now come to me, you know, and kind of share wins with um, being able to practice self-care. And when we talk about things or plans that we have, you know, that's that's in the forefront of their minds. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're kind of more self-care focused that it's a lifestyle. It's not just something that you do here and there to make yourself feel better because you work too much for the week. It's, it's literally changing the way that you treat yourself. Um, so I, I am happy to say that because I have um, 
you know, been so vocal with people that I care about, um, that is now something that they really pay attention to. Um, and it's something that's in the forefront of their mind. So I'm hoping to, to be able to work with more people who kind of understand that as well. Yes. Yeah. I can definitely see how it's so powerful because I've seen people like one of my girlfriends, she was saying how she's just having, having an awful day at work or not day, but week just stressed out and mm-hmm. so bad. And she's like, I don't have time to be burnt out right now. I don't have time to just sit on my couch and not do anything. Like I cannot use that as an excuse. And I'm like, okay, girl, <laughs> it is not an excuse for one. It is a fact. You are burnt out. Yes. You're like biting my head off right now. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. you need to take a break because you are not going to be effective or fun to be around or productive at work or a great coworker if you are like all snappy and burnt out and you know just not doing well um absolutely and I was like I wouldn't talk like that to a client but she's my friend and I could talk like that to her but it's it's just reflective of how some people think of burnout like I just don't have time to be burnt out well same thing mm-hmm. as, as being sick. Like you, if you don't stop and take a breath, you're going to get sick. You're going to catch a cold, you know, your body is going to force you to slow down. Yeah. It will always tell mm-hmm. you to. For sure. So I'm excited. It sounds like you have some open spots in your program. Yeah. I do. I do. Awesome. I do. So, uh, first where I, I want to know, we talked about some little things about that people can do right now to practice self-care as far as celebrating the little wins, saying no, uh, finding some like-minded friends, putting yourself first, doing a self-evaluation, checking in with yourself regularly, and trying to find a balance in life, which I know that one's easier said than done, but right. <laughs> do you have any tips that people could do today that might be able to, uh, to just enhance their self-care? Yeah, I think, um, and again, it's about the, the small things, but there, uh, it's also about, um, you know, the intention and following through. So, um, for me, what helped or what helps some days when I'm not, you know, necessarily practicing self-care is maybe I would like for the week. Um, I literally schedule in my self-care. So when you're scheduling clients um, or your dental appointment or whatever you have in your calendar, um, schedule, and it, it feels, it might feel silly, but schedule time in for self-care. Literally put it on the schedule. So it's, you're holding yourself accountable to follow through on that task. Because if you just think about it and you're just like, well, maybe I'll take a walk today or maybe I'll go get a massage um, you can easily talk yourself out of that. Um, but when you kind of make it more concrete um, by literally scheduling it um, in spaces that you typically hold yourself accountable to, um, it might change the way that you um, kind of follow through on that. Um, and then also we, we've kind of already talked about it, but just like having one person, accountability partner that you can check in with and, um, see what they've done for self-care, do something with them to practice self-care. I, I will say that 
you know, the best relationship that I formed coming to, you know, this job in suicide prevention um, is with the person I've been (laughs) sharing about through this podcast, but we literally have done things that I've never done before in my life, like horseback riding, zip lining, you know, um, in Georgia, you're kind of close to a bunch of different states. So taking a day trip and exploring a new city. Um, so I, th- I think having that connection um, with someone else who understands how important it is, it will help you follow through for sure. Um, again, always evaluating when you're overextending yourself, um, making it a point to end work when it's time to end work, you know, for the most part, if you mm-hmm. can. Um, and I also think it's, especially in in this day and time right now with everything that we have going through with the pandemic and all the injustices of the world but I think um, also like to limit your social media and your news access um, I think that sometimes that can be very overwhelming and it can also kind of um, increase that level of stress um and you think that, you know, social media is like an outlet, right? We always, you know, we go to our phones because it's like, oh, I just need a break. You know, let me look at something that, you know, it's going to take my mind off of my work day. But, you know, when if your social media is filled with things that are stressful, things that aren't very happy, um, you know, you find yourself not even really feeling better after taking that that break, you know, to view social media. So I'd say learning how to like limit that, um, making sure that you're taking care, taking time for yourself in the morning when you wake up and when you go to bed. Those, I've found that those 10 more minutes, even though I want that sleep, the 10 minutes that I wake up earlier um, and I list the three things that I'm grateful for. Every day I've been making this a new practice that every day I wake up and I list three things I'm grateful for. It changes my attitude. It helps me to look forward to my work day. Um, it, it just gives me a, a sense of happiness that I typically don't have. Or even like reading a book, you know, um, or meditating. You know, you can pull up YouTube and literally lay in the bed yeah. <laughs> and, and, and meditate. So I think it's about those small actions making sure that it's even if it's 10, just nothing but 10 minutes, making sure that in the morning and before you go to bed, you're kind of detoxing from your day by doing something that like forces you to focus on you. Even lighting a candle is self-care. That seems odd, but try mm-hmm. it. You know, it, it when you light that candle before you go to bed and it kind of like puts you in a space of relaxation, you're letting go of the day. So that when you wake up the next day, you're starting something new. Um, so I'd say those are the the main things that I think are easy for people to do. They're not like huge goals where it's like, go travel somewhere <laughs> right. for a week. You know, it's like, it's, although I love to travel, you know, that's not necessarily possible right now. So those small steps of just making sure that you're caring for yourself when you wake up before you go to bed making sure that you're scheduling time in for yourself, even if it's just a walk outside. Like I work from home right now due to the pandemic, but you know, I make 
at a point that on my 15 minute breaks, I walk outside just to change my um, scenery, you know, for a few minutes. And then I'm back and I feel refreshed and I'm kind of, you know, able to, to be present again. So, you know, it's, it's really about the, the small things that, that seem to carry us over, you know, that work well. And those turn into habits and then those habits can be expanded as we, as we feel we need. Yeah. I like that. Thank you for, for sharing all of those tips. I know that before, you know, when I was in grad school, I thought self-care was going to be like one thing, but what I've learned is Mm -hmm. I have, I, I made a list one day. There was about 30 things on there that I do on a regular basis that self-care. So it's not just one thing. It's all of these things combined that really, like you said, change your life. It changes the way that you live. So when you wake up in the morning, you might do the gratitude journal with some relaxing music and a candle and it's a whole mood. And then you do the the walking at the lunch with, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, maybe um, talking to your accountability partner on the phone. So it's all of these things that are really combined that truly make it super impactful. Absolutely. And also even like journaling, um, I actually wrote a self-care journal <clears throat> that I released uh, not too long ago. Um, it's called reaching greater heights, a guide to self-care and self-love it's on Amazon, but I even, even small moments to journal, you know, writing your thoughts out for today, uh, you know, kind of doing, you can even do like a journal dump where you're just, there's no particular structure in what you're writing, but you're just kind of letting out your thoughts for the day and your feelings. And, you know, I think, Right now, you know, it's about practical things that you can do, you know, so you can go anywhere and get, you know, a journal and make sure that you take that moment for yourself also to, you know, to, to kind of connect with yourself and make sure that you're caring for yourself. Yes, for sure. So I'll have the link to the gratitude journal in the show notes. Where can people find you get in contact with you and learn more about your program? Absolutely. So my website is www.empoweringexperiences.net. I'm also on Instagram right now. Um, same handle, except it's um, Empowering Experiences LLC. And by email, um, reach Tabitha Younger at gmail.com. Thank you. Awesome. You're Thank welcome. you so much, Tabitha. I really enjoyed having you on the show today. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, write a review and give us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. This just helps other people just like you Find us and join our community. Also, I would love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find me at Social Workers Rise. I can't wait to see you next week. Bye.